Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash. Hope everybody is having a good day, has had a good weekend, enjoyed a full weekend of not only, you know, we had pace for basketball, though that ended kind of unfortunately. We had an Indy 500, which also kind of ended on a weird note, but nonetheless, uh, you know, sports are back. I mean, they've been back for a while, but a good full weekend. We also had the Colts workout as well. We're not going to talk about that as much. Um, but uh, we uh, do want to talk about the Pacers. We do want to talk about the Racers. Uh, we do have a fun podcast in store for you guys. Sorry we're a day late. Uh, when we saw the time for uh, this week's or the, this uh, well, yesterday's um, Pacers game, I was like, you know what? Instead of doing a later show, let's just go ahead and, you know, move it back a day. Not unprecedented. Um, so here we are. Uh, episode 31 of season three of the Crash Force podcast. Now, real quick, before we get into it, um, as you guys can see, um, or, in, you know, obviously some of you are listening on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, but, uh, or as you, so I guess for you guys, as you can hear, uh, I don't have B. Scott with me. Um, I didn't introduce him because he's not here. Um, so he's got some uh, personal family stuff to attend to. Um, so he's taken an indefinite leave. Now, on that front, he has gotten some good news recently. So hopefully that means that leave will not be as long as previously anticipated. Um, so we're going to be flying solo for the, you know, at least, you know, foreseeable future. Um, so that's how that's going. Um, I don't want to dive too much into it because I don't want you know, I don't want to just say, hey, this is all of B. Scott's personal stuff. Here you go. Um, but I just want to let you guys know uh, what's going on there and why I'm flying solo and why the podcast is going to sound a little bit different for the next uh, couple of weeks or so. Um, so just want to keep you guys, uh, you know, ingrained on that, uh, keep you guys uh, up to speed there. So I uh, just want to let you guys know. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into it. Uh, so the Pacers. Second straight season, they get swept out of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, obviously, this season, they still looked a lot better than what they did being swept uh, out of the playoffs last year. They just looked – last year against the Celtics, if I remember correctly, it was almost as if, like, they could put it together for, like, one quarter, and it was never the same quarter each game. I think, like, first game, they played well first quarter. Second game, it was second quarter, something along those lines. But, like, they just seemed to fall apart you know, at, at different stages of the game, and it, they never were the same. And this year, you could tell, I think, that, you know, not having Sabonis was a big issue. Oladipo, uh, you know, if he doesn't get injured game one, what does that game look like? Maybe that changes the tide for the series. Oladipo did look good, um, but, uh, you know, obviously not having Sabonis was a big key. So let's go ahead and recap it here. Uh, game one, Heat win 113 uh, to 101. Jimmy Butler had 28 points alongside Goran Dragic, who had 24. Uh, they outscored the Pacers by 21 points in the second and fourth quarter. So they, you know, had a big issue with not being able to close out the different halves. And that's obviously super important. You got to be able to, you know, they were, they were good to start off a half and then they would just fade down the stretch. It didn't look very good told you guys last week I don't I didn't want to be right on this but you know I figured if Jimmy Butler did get back on track um it was going to be a little bit of a rough go for the Pacers that turned out to be right um as far as the Pacers go TJ Warren 
had 22 points. Malcolm Brogdon had 22 points. Oladipo had four, but he left after being poked in the eye. 35 points from the bench. So you kind of look at that game one and you think, okay, maybe if Oladipo doesn't get hurt, maybe the Pacers are able to, you know, stay in it a little bit, have be a little bit better down the stretch. Maybe they could have taken one, so a little bit more uh, on, you know, on along the lines of being unfortunate there. Although, you know, you kind of wonder if he doesn't get injured game one, I, do they maybe win game one? Obviously, that's you know turns the tide for the entire series. I don't know that they do. The Heat are just the Heat are turning out to be that team that the Pacers just can't get by. Um, at least here recently. I mean, they didn't play well against them before the stoppage. The one game that they played well against the Heat and won was a game where the Heat and the Pacers were both kind of resting their starters. Uh, the one game during the bubble that the Pacers played the Heat, uh, you know, and everybody was playing who they normally would play, that's when you saw the Heat kind of dominate. So who knows, but it doesn't help you that Oladipo was hurt down the stretch. Uh, game two, Heat win 109-100. to 100. Miami uh, had 24 points from Duncan Robinson. He was seven for eight from three-point range. He started six uh, for six. Dragic again had 20 points. Oladipo had 22 points, and all the starters played in double figures. So, you know, you got kind of the effort. You saw what they were able to do in game two and how maybe game one might have finished. You know, you know, you saw the a complete game by the Pacers. It just looks like, unfortunately, in that game, they, you know, were um, – they were – I don't want to say overmatched, but they were just outplayed. Uh, Miami was the better team that day. And so that right then and there, you're down two games to none. Game three, Heat win 124, Pacers 115. Miami had four players with 20-plus points. Jimmy Butler, another 27-point game. He was 17 for 20 from the line. The Heat shot 52 free throws and made 43. The Pacers were just playing very undisciplined uh, down in the paint and, and in general, really, and just, you know, a lot of turnovers, not a lot of turnovers, but a lot of fouls. Um, you know, things like that, obviously, you know, when you send a team to the line 52 times and they score 17 or 72 points in the first half, obviously that's not great. Um, on the other side, oh, you also had uh, Tyler, your hero, uh, Dragic and Bam Adebayo uh, also had 20 points, 20 plus points. Uh, any, on the side for the Pacers, you had Malcolm Brogdon, who had 34, TJ Warren, who had 23, Victor Oladipo, who had 20. So the Pacers played well and they did come back cut the lead down to single digits late in that game but just you know the amount of times they sent the heat to the free throw line was not good the heat executed from the free throw line you know it makes sense obviously if you're sending them to the free throw line and being more aggressive but they're not a good free throw shooting team but that wasn't the case then game four uh this happened you know the other night the heat win 99 to pacers 87 miami had Dragic score 23 points uh, Hero had another big game off the bench. Uh, Oladipo had 25. Turner had 22. Warren had 21. Uh, but the Pacers bench was outscored 41-3. to And, you know, B. Scott and I talked about it last week in the sense that, you know, you don't expect your bench to carry your team. Obviously, that's not a good sign if they have to carry your team. But, you know, you do want to rely on them. And the Heat had – Obviously, two, you know, at least one or two guys consistently coming off the bench, bench and providing that extra life for the team. And that in this game, you know, in this situation might have been, you know, Sabonis, might have been, you know, whoever. And so that's what you kind of look back on and say, well, may, wow, if we would have had Sabonis 
if maybe would have had a little bit more bench contribution, maybe they're able to stay in this series. So kind of the things that I outlined last week and the things to watch for, for the Pacers, it was contribution off the bench, uh, which they had for a decent amount of the series. Uh, but in the defining game, game four, when they needed it the most, uh, they, they didn't get that contribution from the bench. And then Jimmy Butler was absolutely nuts. He was averaging 16 points in the bubble. Um, he only had seven points, I think, in the opener uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. He wasn't – he only played in four games. He wasn't the Jimmy Butler we were really used to seeing. Um, and so he turned it on. He averaged 24 points in the first three games. Um, he did have, I think, like still 17 um, in that final game four. So this is, I mean, obviously the same, you know, he had an above average, you know, production, you know, he was above all, all of his bubble averages. He was above there, uh, you know, for this series. Um, and then Goran Dragic was electric as well, you know, 20 points pretty much in every single game. He was a huge contributor. So he and Butler, those are kind of the two, you know, you know, kind of key names you would be looking for anyway. And then you counter, you know, you add in the, uh, you know, help you were getting from Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, and that was just the formula for success for the Heat. Uh, the starters struggled in game one, like I said. They were outplayed in game two and undisciplined in game three. Um, you do miss Sabonis' uh, presence inside. Um, you know, he did average, I think, like 10 rebounds, you know, against the Heat consistently. Um, but, yeah, it just, you know, you it's it's funny because you look back, at this season and you think, you know, you compare the two seasons, right? You have 2018-2019, the Pacers get swept out of the first round by the Boston Celtics, look absolutely abysmal without Victor Oladipo. Um, and you're really like, man, what do you know, we're a long ways off. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, hopefully, hopefully it's just the fact that we don't have Oladipo, but who knows? And then, you look at 2019, 2020, and it's kind of the same result. You um, get swept again. It is the same result. You get swept again. Um, so what do we do? Where do we go from here? Um, and, you know, you just kind of hope, like, hey, you also didn't have Jeremy Lamb. So you're not only missing Lamb, you're missing Sabonis. Um, you're kind of hoping that if T.J. Warren stays kind of hot, maintains what he was able to do in the bubble come regular season time, you're hoping that, you know, Sabonis will be back and healthy. Oladipo, who was starting to turn it on. You know, I mentioned last week that as a pacer, he averages around 22 points a game. He was around there, with the exception of game one, he was around there pretty much every single game. So you like what you see there. Um, you know, Miles Turner had a good series as well. So I think overall, I think it's just, you know, the Heat were a bad matchup. And the Heat, I mean, the Heat, you know, honestly – you know the Bucks, Bucks losing game one to to the uh, Magic, uh, and how well the Heat played kind of makes me think that hey, you know maybe I should have trusted my instincts a little bit more when we were looking at the uh, the Bucks uh, series. Um, you know maybe you know maybe <laughs> maybe I should have gone with my instincts and picked the Heat to beat the Bucks because. I think the Heat are a real dark horse candidate to possibly represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. I think they could be. Now, do I think they'll win the whole thing? I don't really think so. But, I mean, they're a good team. Um, and you saw, I mean, look, they're, of the first round uh, for the Eastern Conference, I mean, 
three all you know three series are done and they were all sweeps so i mean you know you kind of look to that as well it's a little bit out, more of a glimmer of hope i mean you have good teams like the sixers uh obviously the nets didn't have Kyrie or kd they get swept as well um and then really honestly i mean if the bucks take care of business tonight like they should um you know and if you're listening to this you know on you know the audio version maybe they've already taken care of business but if they do that means that literally no game in the first round of the eastern conference playoffs was uh, longer than five games so you know you kind of look at the the eastern conference and you say okay maybe it's a little bit on more on the top heavy side because you've got the bucks the raptors um the celtics and then the heat are you know you know the heat are kind of in the middle there and then you have the pacers who obviously don't have a lot of their key you know players some of their key players are coming back you know from injury or we're slowly working their way back so you know you look back and you say okay you know what yeah both years ended in a sweep but i think you feel a little bit better about this sweep than you know last year although you know look i obviously understand that you hate getting swept you don't want to get swept um, but I think this sweep is a little bit more palatable and you look to next season. I'm actually excited because I think next season could be really interesting. You'll have a, hopefully a fully healthy Oladipo, Lamb, Brogdon, Sabonis. I mean, everything looks to be in order. If you can add some pieces, um, I don't know what pieces you add, but if you had some pieces through the draft, or through the off season, uh, maybe that's, you know, the way to go. And, and hopefully, Hopefully that's what'll that's what'll happen. They can make some pieces. They can put some pieces together. Because remember, their first, you know, the, before the shutdown, the Pacers were rolling. The Pacers were rolling even without Oladipo, and it was kind of the exact opposite of what we thought was going to happen. You know, I know B Scott and I were both like, if they can just, you know, maintain and weather the ship and get through the first half of the season without Oladipo, once they get Oladipo back, then they're going to be right back in order. They're going to be insane. It's going to be great. So. You know, this. you look at this season as a whole, you know, they play well without Oladipo. They get Oladipo back. Obviously, the shutdown happens. They go 6-2 and two in the bubble with some really impressive wins. They get into the postseason. They match up against a team they, you know, have trouble with in general. Played well in all four games, just didn't, you know, weren't able to close things out. So, I think you're really excited and really hopeful about next season. I know – I know this has been three seasons of podcasts where we look back at the Pacers season and we think, yeah, I'm really excited for next year. I don't want that to kind of be the takeaway, but I really am, uh, you know, ready for next season, ready to see what they can do in the winter. Um, now, you take a look at what they possibly could do uh, in the offseason, and, you know, it's kind of like what I just said. Let's, you know, hopefully the Pacers can get healthy. Hopefully they can get back on track. Hopefully – you know, they'll get a healthy Lamb, a healthy Sabonis, a healthy Oladipo, um, and they will be, you know, right back in order. Um, obviously, it's going to be another shortened season. Um, so, and being in the Eastern Conference, I would imagine it's going to be more – I don't know if they'll do anything like they did with ba – like baseball did. I don't know if they'll try to keep it more regionalized because, I mean, it's not like they have, you know, the West, you know – the, the Western Conference has like an East, Central, and, you know, West. It's not like broken down like that. So I don't know if they'll kind of take that model or if they'll just be like, hey, we're gonna, you're going to play, you know, this percentage of your games against the East. Also, they've talked about the season not even starting on time. So who knows what the season looks like. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
Uh, hopefully, you know, I think the Pacers, if they play more games against the East, obviously that helps. Um, but I think they're going to be, you know, I think they're going to be in a good spot, possibly a similar spot. Cause yeah, I mean, you, you take a look back and you kind of play the what if game, which I know is dangerous, but you can play the what if game. You can say, man, what if the season doesn't get shut down? What if now if the season doesn't get shut down, you have some bonus. You don't have, you still don't have lamb. Uh, you know, if the season doesn't get shut down, which means obviously you're not playing in a bubble, which means you have home court advantage for those first two games as well. Um, I don't know if that played anything of a factor. So there's a lot of, I guess what I'm getting into ultimately is this past season had a lot of extenuating circumstances. And I think the Pacers were able to, you know, leapfrog more of the obstacles than what tripped them up. And I think that's what makes you excited about next season. Um, so number one, get healthy. Obviously um, you're hoping that if everybody comes back healthy, uh, they're going to be a very scary team. Um, and then um, one of the things, one of the kind of, you know, should they do this or should they not do this? Um, and that is, you know, we talked about it. This is kind of a, a thing that I've kind of come to grips with. I've been a Miles Turner apologist up to this point. I've been like, you know what? Because I, I think the thing is a lot of people, you know, watch um, – a lot of people, you know, watch the Pacers games and, and all that stuff. And I think Miles Turner has been better than I think people have given him credit for. Um, but at the same time, I kind of feel the same way about him as I do, you know, tying it back in. I've got, I got the Cubs shirt on, tying it back into the Cubs. Um, I kind of feel the same way about trading Miles Turner as I do about trading Chris Bryant. Like, I don't want the Cubs to trade Chris Bryant, but it may just be time. It may just be. You know, I, you know, I want everybody from the core, you know, unit to be on the team. But if it means we get to sign Javi, it means we get to sign, you know, Rizzo, then it may just be a bad sacrifice. So if it means signing Oladipo, signing, now granted, Turner is on, on the books for another three years. But if it means signing Oladipo, if it means, you know, making sure all these guys are still, you know, good to go then maybe it's time. I don't want it to be time, but maybe that's what they do. And I think this is the perfect time to do it. You know, my, the, my old uh, dorm room compadre, uh, Pat Boylan, um, who works for the Pacers. Uh, he lived across the, you know, across the, across from me uh, in the dorms uh, at Ball State. And, uh, you know, he sent out a tweet and said that, you know, Turner played well this series. And I agree. He did play well. Uh, in the series against uh, the Heat. But the question is, you know, you look at this for the this season for the Pacers, they only have one selection in the 2020 draft, and that's the 50th selection. So, you know, you kind of look at it and you say, okay, well, it doesn't really matter too much. I mean, the Pacers have a solid core of, play, you know, players on their team, only a handful of contracts expire this year, and they're not like, major ones that you really got to worry about. I mean, some of the guys that are, whose contracts are up, you can obviously resign. Some of the guys whose contracts are up, you know, as, you know, for example, uh, uh, Holiday, Justin Holiday. I, I think that's his – oh, I got the name right there. I don't know why I just completely blanked. Um, yeah, Justin Holiday. See, I was right. Justin Holiday, his contract's up. But you got you have guys like, you know, Brian Bowen, Elise – Elise Johnson, Jakar Sampson, you know, some of those guys, I mean, if it means bringing in, you know, 
somebody, you know, if it brings in bringing in better talent, whatever, you're going to make that decision. So you kind of, you know, wonder what the plan might be uh, moving forward. Um, so they, you know, nothing, you know, so they have basically the core of what they had this year coming back next year. It's, hopefully it's healthy. And then, you know, so you kind of think, okay, maybe they may not need that pick, but at the same time, I think they do need more depth. Um, and I do think that they need to obviously, even though it's not a class that necessarily has a defined number one pick, you know, a defined, you know, the class this year isn't, you know, super incredible. Um, but at the same time, it is a, is one where you can add some depth, add some guys to the roster. Um, and I think that'll be kind of the play. So you can either trade Miles Turner to get some good depth guys who are already established, or you can trade them for trade them for more picks. Um, like I said, he is on the books for another three seasons, 18 mil a year. <clears throat> maybe enticing to some teams, maybe not enticing because it's eight, still 18 mil, but still not as expensive as some other guys you might have to go after. So it'll be interesting. Now, there are some teams uh, that are, um, you know, they could possibly be suitors uh, for um, for Miles Turner. You've got the Sixers who have five picks. Um, and more importantly, their top three picks are the 21st, 34th, and 36th. So I know that obviously, the you know, they already have Embiid. They don't really need to get Miles Turner. But at the same time, I mean, hey, look, they just fired their head coach. Maybe they're looking to shake things up. Maybe they, you know, trade those couple of picks for Turner, who's established. Um, maybe isn't as, you know, maybe, you know, isn't as flashy as Embiid is. Maybe that's the play. Um, so, I, unlikely, but maybe that is what they do. Um, you've got the Celtics, who have four picks. And their first, uh, you know, first three are 14, 26, and 30. So, maybe you trade them for the 26th and 30th and maybe another player. Because the Celtics are our team that's been rumored to be, you know, trading for a Pacers superstar for, I feel like, the last, like, four years, whether it be Paul George or Miles Turner. So, you have those possibilities. and then one that I thought was an interesting kind of thing to throw out there. Obviously this isn't going to happen, but I also thought it might be cool. Uh, the Golden, Golden State has the number two pick. Now, will they trade the number two pick? No, their other two picks are 48 and 50. But hey, maybe 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 the Pacers can you know sway them. Hey, Because remember, this is another team in Golden State that is a good team that the only reason they have the number two pick is because they were so bad this season. But the only reason they were so bad this season is because of no Steph, no Clay, no KD, obviously KD and free agency. So obviously that was going to change the makeup of their team. So maybe this season, maybe you can figure that out a little bit. So those are just some suggestions. So I think, like I said, above and beyond, it should just be getting healthy. And, you know, I'm excited about what a healthy, you know, Pacers team could look like. Obviously, it's a shorter offseason, but you had a longer layoff. Um, maybe they do benefit from not as deep of a run because, obviously, you know, some of these teams are going to be playing, you know, into September, into uh, early October. Um, and so they won't get as – or at least on paper, as of now, won't get as long of a layoff as the Pacers will. So they get a chance to rest, get healthy, and be able to come back strong in 2020 and 2021. So that's the main uh, thing. But if you're looking at a move, 
You know, I wanted to look at the draft and see who they could possibly get. There weren't really super great names that popped off at 50. So I was like, maybe this is the time to trade Miles Turner. We'll see. I don't know if that'll happen. I know B. Scott talked about it a little bit last week, um, but that is kind of something to uh, take a look at and see what they could possibly do. Um, before we go ahead and take a look at the rest of the NBA, let's go ahead and get this word from Anchor. I wanted to take a look at the rest of the NBA playoffs for a sec um, and just kind of a recap there. Um, like I said before, you look at the Eastern Conference, uh, the Bucks. Uh, lose game one to the Magic, but then they win three straight. They're gonna, they're most likely gonna go ahead and, and win that bad boy. Uh, you know, I think they play tomorrow, um, which would be Wednesday. So if you're listening to it on Wednesday, it's obviously they will win it today. Um, so or or should I mean, who knows what will happen? Um, but I think that'll kind of be what happens there. Not. You know, not really counting against the Milwaukee Bucks, even though they did lose game one, Giannis has looked better. Um, and so if that happens again, you know, you, you look at the Pacers sweep, but then you put it up beside the fact that, you know, the Raptors swept the Nets and the uh, Sixers got swept by the Celtics, then it kind of looks um, a little bit more palatable. Um, you know, so – um, it doesn't look quite as bad. So you kind of take a little bit of a breather and say, okay, you know what? Yeah, you know, it's not the greatest. Obviously, we don't want to get swept, but uh, comparing it to the rest of the East, you know, it was the it was all chalk. Dude, I was all in <laughs> on the Blazers. They get that shocking, you know, game one win, kind of the same deal as with the uh, Bucks and the um, uh, Magic. The Lakers get that incredible uh, or Blazers get that incredible game one win. And then what did I tell you? LeBron is LeBron is LeBron is LeBron is LeBron. Uh, <laughs> and you're not and you know, playoff LeBron is pretty much what you can count on a good chunk of the time. Uh, they've won the last three. Um, I think they play tonight. No, they play tomorrow. Uh, so they play Wednesday. Um, but one of the games that is going to be interesting for tonight is uh, Clippers and, and Mavs. That's the 2-7. It's tied at 2 right now. So that's pretty crazy to think about that, um, you know, especially because, like, heck, I think, I mean, the, obviously the Mavericks, I don't, I, you know, haven't been a, too locked into that series. Uh, but, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been going off. You know, you would think with Kawhi and PG, you know, they would be in good shape. But, I mean, hey, I mean, this isn't the first time that, Paul George has been paired up with another big superstar and he's not risen to the occasion. Cause I think it was the jazz over the thunder when he was with Russell Westbrook a couple of years ago. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, so I think that that's been an interesting series. It will be an interesting series. Um, you do have, uh, you know, jazz and nuggets. Uh, that game is actually ongoing right now. And uh, you know, the jazz are leading and if they win they're on to the next round nuggets, little bit disappointing for them because I know they've got a young core kind of like the Pacers and were I think expecting to do a little bit better but yeah I mean you had the basically these two teams for the Clippers and Mavericks they've swapped um you know Clippers win game one Mavericks win game two Clippers win game three obviously the big Doncic uh play at the end of the game uh the other day so they get the win there um and then the Rockets and Thunder what I tell you I told you it was going to be a tight series it was going to be a fun series to watch um, and that one has lived up to the billing as well because you have these teams 
these teams and these players are very familiar with each other. I know Steven Adams and, and Russ were chirping at each other um, you know, before the game the other day. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. So interesting to see how the Thunder uh, Rockets series and the Mavericks uh, uh, Clippers uh, series turns out the other series are pretty much all but over. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, exciting to see what happens with the rest of the NBA playoffs. Uh, I just kind of wanted to give an update there uh, since, you know, we talked about it obviously um, for a good chunk Obviously, well, a good chunk, like it wasn't the complete, you know, point of the show last week, Craig. <laughs> but, yeah, so I wanted to give an update on the series. Um, so, yeah, so before we wrap up here today, let's talk a little bit about the Indy 500. I wanted to talk, too, about college football, but I think I'll save that for next week's show. So I was thinking, doing some producing on the air here, I was thinking about taking the week off next week and doing the college football preview this week. But I was like, no, that's too many things. The Pacers series is over. You can talk about the Indy 500, save the football for next week. So that's what uh, that'll look like. Um, so the next three podcasts will be, uh, and that will be obviously this one. Then it'll be next week's podcast, which will be on the 31st, will be college football preview. Following week will be an NFL preview. Um, so that's where we're going to be at. That'll get us, what, through um, – Oh, that'll get us through uh, September 1st, September, no, if I'm an idiot, September 7th, something like that. Anyway, that's what the plan is moving forward. And so make sure you're locked in. Make sure you're following us at Crash Course FM on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, Crash Course Podcast on YouTube. Uh, you, you can, if you, you know, end up missing a live broadcast, uh, we are going to start uploading the full podcast to YouTube uh, for the time being, kind of seeing what works, what doesn't work right now. Um, and then also uh, like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast on Facebook. That's where you can see the podcast get recorded live uh, every week. So make sure you're locked in there. Um, and then also you can listen uh, every week on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can find us also anchor.fm slash Crash Course is the site we operate out of. So um, those are all of our socials. So make sure you are locked and loaded. New episode of Memory Lane coming out on friday uh that'll be uh the colts and broncos game from a couple years ago we wanted to show uh a little bit of love to andrew luck obviously yesterday was the anniversary of andrew luck's abrupt retirement um so we wanted to kind of highlight one of the signature moments of his career uh when he beat peyton on peyton's return to indy so that was a lot of fun to do with ben so make sure you guys are locked and loaded um but yeah let's go ahead and talk about the indy 500 uh, what a race. Uh, Takuma Sato ends up winning the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, he led twice for 27 laps. He took the lead on lap 185. Scott Dixon led 111 laps. He was the dominant car, um, but he does finish second. There were 21 lead changes among 11 drivers. Graham Rahal, Santino Ferrucci, Joseph Newgarden routed out the top five. As far as Brandon picks go, uh, Elio finished 11th. Renus VK finished 20th. Um, for me, Alex Ballou, uh finished 28th, and then both of our uh, picks for um, uh, for Dark Horse was Connor Daly. He gets taken out in the wreck. He finishes 29th. So VK and Palou, you know, didn't get inside the top 20 for Rookie of the Year. And then Elio, uh, which was B Scott's pick to win, finishes 11th. He was he was up there. He just didn't seem to have the car either. Seven, there were seven cautions. Uh, Spencer Piggott crashes on lap 196 into the pit wall. And that causes the race to end under caution. So 
Uh, I texted B. Scott during the race. Um, I said, you know, you know, I texted him. I said Dixon took over early and just kind of never looked back. Um, that was, of course, before he lost the lead to Sato. Um, but, uh, you know, he texted me back and he said the race was boring. I was like, what do you mean it was boring? I thought it was a lot of fun. And he said anticlimactic. So I, I can agree on that. Um, and it, but it, well, I think overall, when I look back at the race, especially now a couple of days removed, I think, okay, was it the greatest Indy 500 of all time? No. Was it a top five Indy 500s that I've witnessed? Probably not. Uh, but it was a good race. Like, I think, you know, as far as, you know, race with, you know, race ending under caution, the result of this race and the result of the Brickyard, I think at the end of the day, both races kind of feel the same to me. Um, so I think a, you know, good, in, a good Indy 500 is better than maybe the best Brickyard 400 right now. Um, and I don't mean to take a jab at NASCAR, but that's just how I feel. So I was satisfied. Obviously, I think there were some ways, <clears throat> excuse me, that you could have had, um, you know, you could have had a better result, you know, finish wise. But I think overall I was satisfied. Like I said, wasn't, it doesn't, every year doesn't need to be the greatest Indy 500 of all time. Um, but it was a fun race. It was exciting to see it. Um, and I, I did have a lot of fun watching it. Uh, I will say this, and I tweeted this out. I am very glad that the, uh, you know, Takuma Sato had won previously because it would have really stunk if your first Indy 500 win, you know, you get out, you're, you're expecting, you've dreamt about this your whole life. You get out, you're expecting to see the roar of the crowd and, you know, and hear the roar of the crowd and you're expecting to see kind of that, you know, visual of, you know, everybody standing up and clapping. Cause that's the great thing about the Indy 500 is that it's not, it's not like a NASCAR race where, you know, if you're, if your driver's Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt wins, you're not leaving the track ticked off at the, you know, like you would be for the Brickyard. You know, for, for the Indy 500, you know, even if, you know, my driver is Tony Kanaan, but if Dario wins, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be a little bummed, but I'm not going to be ticked off. Um, and I think fans kind of come together and root on and cheer whoever wins uh, the Indy 500. And granted, you know, obviously I think that's the difference between the magnitude of each race, but at the same time, um, I am glad that the person who won has experienced, you know, Jake Query put it best, um, you know, a guy who has experienced victory uh, in his, you know, with a full uh, packed house. So that was nice to see. I was very happy about that. Um, and then I, I do think, you know, it's, it, it always stinks when a race ends under caution. It just does. You, there's no way around it. Obviously, sometimes it's unavoidable. You know, I'm not going to you know, say that they did anything wrong necessarily. But yeah, I mean, it just, it, it does. It always stinks when a race under, ends under caution. There's, there's no two ways about it. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think, you know, the, the caution happens at lap 196. So they're heading into lap 197, which is obviously three to go. You know, by the time they throw the yellow and the red, or maybe they can throw the red immediately. I don't really know the rule on that. Um, you know, I don't know if they have enough time. And I think by the time they, they could have made the decision, I think you kind of need a lap to make a decision. And if you do that, I mean, you don't have – there's – you don't have adequate time unless you immediately stop the race and then didn't count. Like, it would have been tough. I think they should have I, – I think there would have been a cool way to red flag the race regardless and then – 
I mean, if you red flag the race and say, hey, there's no way we can restart it, and then you call it same result, just like it's a rain-shortened race. You throw the red flag immediately. Is there a way we can salvage it? No. Okay. Because I did hear rumors that it would have taken like an hour to fix the wall uh, that Piggott ran into. But then you think, okay, well, if you would have had that little bit of a layoff, if, if for some reason they're like, okay, you know what? This is worth it. We're going to red flag and we're going to see what happens. Um, and we're going to, you know, we can't, we're going to fix the pit wall. We're going to go back green as soon as possible. We're going to run one lap under caution. You know, we throw the red immediately at lap 196 before they have a chance to cross the line to go to three to go. You know, we'll get a one lap shootout and we'll see kind of what happens. You know, they, that could have been an option. I think it would have been really cool to kind of like ramp it up and set the stage. You could have interviewed Takuma Sato and interviewed Scott Dixon and taken a look at like different sort of things. So there was a way that like you could have hyped it up and made it very entertaining. That would have been the best finish for, you know, fans that obviously couldn't go to the race this year. I think that would have been a really cool thing to see. Logistically, who knows if that was really possible. Um, but that's kind of the, the thought process um, that goes through my mind is like, hey, what if, you know, they could have thrown the red flag immediately, got everything stopped, got everything set up, and then just said, hey, you know what? You know, the, re you know, the red's out. We're going to fix everything. While we do that, we're going to interview Sato. We're going to interview uh, Dixon. We're going to interview, you know, David Letterman, Graham Rahal, you know, owners of Takuma Sato's car. We, we're going to interview uh, Chip Ganassi. We're going to do all this stuff and kind of hype it up and build it up and then have that, like, one-lap shootout. So I think that would have been better for fans. Whether or not it's feasible, I don't know. Um, but – I mean, I think overall it was a good race. I'm not going to knock it. Obviously, it stinks you couldn't end under green, but that's how it goes sometimes. Um, and I think overall it was an okay race. Maybe, like I said, top five Indy 500 of all time, absolutely not. Top five that I've been to, probably not. But, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I hate using that phrase. I don't like it. But, you know, um, but sometimes it does apply. Um, so I think, I think overall good race. I, I don't, look, I'll say this, you know, normally I think B Scott and I normally do like a little bit of a preview, uh, for the end of the IndyCar season. And look, I don't think, I think Scott Dixon, you know, barring anything unforeseen, it's pretty much got this season on lock because even if uh, he's not going to not win another race the rest of the year, he's already won three. He let a ton of laps this weekend. And, I, you know, I think he obviously has an opportunity. We saw what he did it the first time at the GP, which that's another thing that's, you know, that's another – they're going to race again at the road course. We've got Gateway coming up. You know, if he can win a race at Gateway, that would be, you know, even better. So, I think they're going to um, – I think they're going to have um, – you know, I think Scott Dixon's going to have a really good season. I think he's, you know, probably my pick to win uh, the whole thing if we're, if we're talking about it. But – Overall, good weekend, good race. Uh, I'm happy with it, and uh, hopefully next year we can be there for it. That'd be really awesome. <laughs> that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Um, thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, remember, you can follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter, Crash Course Podcast on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. New video coming out, Memory Lane, our fourth episode. That comes out on Friday, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. Also, um, make sure you are 
Um, you like us on Facebook as well. Um, go check us out. Um, that's where you can see the podcast recorded live every week. Um, and as usual, you know, you can find us at anchor.fm slash crash course or uh, wherever podcasts can be heard, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, the whole nine yards. So make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. Next week, we'll talk some college football. But until then, have a good